We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got a couple super chats I want to get to before we close up shop here for the night. Uh, Corey D says, Brian, last night you said something. It's so funny because we talked about this before we went on the air. Uh, Brian, last night you said something interesting about uh, that the next coach at Notre Dame is on the current staff. I assume you're referring to Freeman. Are you hearing things or is that a feeling that you have? Well, we talked when he was hired that one of the things that we had heard was that that there was discussion about potentially – succeeding succeeding brian kelly right it, it wasn't direct from what i understand but i've also been told that that jack swarbrick likes marcus freeman a lot as yeah. to just about everybody else that's come across him yeah so Very engaging um, gentlemen yes so and it's also part of it is also my opinion of the fact that i think if he stays for a couple more seasons his recruiting his attention to because he's not your typical young coach in that he's a player's coach and like, he's, you know, dapping dudes up and I'm your buddy and we listen to the same music and let's hang out and I'm going to buy you guys beer. I'm being hyperbolic, but you know, the, 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 right, the notion right, of right, I'm, right. I'm your buddy, he, he can relate the to them. In a coach, days. Yes. But he's, he's still, he's kind of got that. Yeah. I think that's a great way of putting events. Yeah. He's an old young coach. Cause look, and, 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 and he, I mean, he's married with six kids. Like, Kids make you grow up. <laughs> like I'm just saying, <laughs> kids make you grow up. And yeah. and what is he? Thirty three. I'll explain a lot about me, Vince. <laughs> well, I don't have. He's thirty five. I mean, thirty five. Okay, thirty five years old with six kids, man. Like, uh, again, that makes you grow up pretty fast. And he and I believe his oldest kid is a eighth grader. Yeah, um, like I've yeah. seen pictures of the family, and like, it looks a lot like yours. I mean, yeah. the oldest is like eighth, ninth grade, and right. You know, and then right. there's a bunch of young ones. So, I mean, just do the math, right? I mean, he had to grow up. And that's – I think that that parlays into his the way he operates as a coach, right? right. He He's not going to be that dap you up kind of guy. He's he's just an old, young coach. And, and, there's, uh, the, and there's I love a, that. Holding people to a standard. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I think absolutely. he understands. And that comes from who he played for and who he coached for, was coached Fair by. Enough. Yeah. It started when he played for Jim Trestle. It did. It's, it just It just did. Yeah, you know, and I think it's and he coached for under Coach Trestle, I believe, for a year. I, I believe he he when he was I a believe he started assistant. coaching. Yes, yeah. yes, I believe. Yeah, 2010. No, 
2000. No, yeah, that had been Coach Trestle's last year. Correct? Jim Trestle's last year was 2010, right? You're asking me for confirmation. It's not coming from me. Okay. I don't remember, to be honest okay. with you. I think it was. Yeah, I, that, I mean, that's, I, the timeline yeah. sounds right. Yeah, because I think Urban Meyer's first year was 2012. 12. Okay. Yeah, so 2011 was the year Luke Fickle took over. Okay. So 2010 would have been Coach Trestle's last year. Gotcha. And, Which would make sense. Right. And and so then, you know, Luke Fickle was his position coach, and then Luke Fickle was his boss at Cincinnati for four years. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No question. Okay. I just love the fact that in his Wikipedia page, one of his titles is the Pang Bomb Hall Flag Football Assistant Defensive Coordinator. Somebody went in and added that. <laughs> That's really hilarious. That's one of the, Are you one serious? Of the things on campus. That's hilarious. The, yeah. That is, that is hilarious. Awesome. That's hilarious. Because that, that's a girls' dorm, by the way. Yes. Anybody's yeah. doesn't know that. That's uh, hilarious. <laughs> that's absolutely hilarious. That is awesome. Uh, another super chat we got here from Matt. Uh, appreciate it, Matt. He says O line is playing better, but if we make the playoff, how confident are you guys that they can hold up against the other selected teams? Pass protection. I'm more confident now than I was. Run game. I still have concerns. Correct. I agree with that. But I'm, I'm, and I will say that I'm more confident with the play calling, uh, you know, with this offensive line than I was earlier in the season as well, mm-hmm. um, which I think helps. Yeah. But, you know, and, and it would take us a whole show to go through each team and talk about what Notre Dame could do against each team. And I, cause I think it varies. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, it would be interesting to see. And I'd love the opportunity. So, hey, I just went back to the top and the first chat is still there. Oh my gosh. I think they have officially fixed they fixed the, the stream chat. yard, man. Yeah, that's oh. awesome. Finally, after only a few emails from me. Yes. <laughs> About Lots that. of complaining and whining from me. Yes. 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 Um, that's fantastic. Vince, let's wrap up. I wanted to talk about an article I wrote for Irish Breakdown tonight. And it was about the college football playoff. Yes. Because for the first time all year, I actually think Notre Dame has a legitimate shot at the playoff, which I didn't think I was going to have. But then I sat and looked at it, and I looked at what has happened and then what is in front of them that has to happen. There's no avoiding it. And so I I wrote an article at IrishBreakdown.com. I wanted to get your thoughts on it, and I wanted to kind of talk to – you know, kind of put it out there and and kind of look at kind of what happened this weekend. I didn't – Oklahoma losing to Baylor was bigger than I thought it was going to be because I think that if Notre Dame handles their business, meaning wins out, go wins out and, and, and blows the next right. two teams out because you, you need to like, listen, l- let me explain something to you. Okay. Georgia tech and Stanford are awful, awful. They're both three and seven. Georgia tech is in the, is in the process of, or in the midst of a one in five stretch. They've given up 37.8 points per game during that stretch. Phil Jerkovic just went 13 of 20 for 310 yards and two touchdowns, rushed for 81 yards and three more touchdowns, and BC hung 41 up on Georgia Tech. BC's not an explosive all, has not been an off, a part of this because they haven't had their quarterback all year, but now that he's back, they're still not a 41-point type right. of offense. Stanford has lost five in a row, and they've given up 33.8 during that stretch. You need to blow these teams out. Yes. You need to blow them out. That's step one. But then you look at it and you say, okay, 
it, let's just say Notre Dame just moves up one spot this week to number eight. That's it. it may seem like it. So then there's five teams you got to leap in front of, right? Seven, six, five. No, there's four now that you got to leap in front of. So you're at eight. So you got to you leap seven. You, you got to leap seven, six. You leap six. five, and you got to leap four. Right. So you need to leap four teams in two weeks. It seems daunting, but then I looked at it and I said, well. Three of three of the teams ahead of them are all Big Ten East teams that haven't right. played, the, the, and they, they haven't they've played only played one game against yeah, each right. other. Exactly. So Ohio State is plays Michigan State this week and Michigan the week after. If Ohio State wins out, that's two teams that are gone. If Ohio State gets beat by one of those two teams, that's then Ohio probably, State's out. Probably three teams gone. Yeah. I think if Michigan beats Ohio State and wins the Big Ten title, they're absolutely in the college football playoff. And I would argue the same thing about Michigan State. If one of those two teams wins out, they will be in the playoff. I agree. Th- that's that's what I think. But, but the committee clearly loves the Big Ten. They they love correct. a lot about what the Big Ten correct. is. So, so a you one have lost to Big Ten chance is absolutely and, you, and honestly should in this yeah, season no of college football playoff. If one of those three teams goes twelve and one, they should be it. No matter Notre Dame could win eighty to nothing the next two weeks, and that wouldn't that wouldn't it change. Would not matter of them being ahead of Notre Dame because they completely would have agree. a lot more high quality wins than what Notre Dame has. Yeah, completely agree. So you, you look at that and you say, okay, so that's two. There's guaranteed two Big Ten teams are going to fall behind Notre Dame. Yes. So Just now you go each other. right. Now you go from worst case scenario, you go to six. Right. So now you just have to pass two teams. And and it, it, it it's it's pretty easy. And, and the the thing about it is, three things can happen to get those two, and that what adds to the. This is actually something that they have a chance at doing. It'd be one thing if it was two things got to happen, and if you don't get the inside straight, you're not going to the playoff. Right. That's not the case. And again, barring upsets, so barring Georgia losing to Georgia Tech and then getting beat by Bama, which is not going to happen. Uh, barring Bama losing to Auburn, barring Penn State beating Michigan State, and then Michigan State beating Ohio State. Right, you they know, all just beat each other. Right, Mar- yeah. Michigan loses to Maryland. <clears throat> barring all that stuff, or or Wisconsin beats the Big Ten. That's the other interesting thing that I'm not even going to get into yet. Yeah. If Wisconsin <laughs> beats the East Champs, Whoever I don't think it's to going be. to happen. Yeah. But or so so anyway, three things. One of three things needs to happen. Number one, Cincinnati needs to lose. This is going to upset some people because of the head to head. The reality is, is the committee has made very clear that the head to head doesn't matter as much. They're going to look at the whole resume and it's clear they don't like Cincinnati very much. Very clear. And and Cincinnati has look outside of their win over Notre Dame. Cincinnati has not been an impressive football team this year. They, They really haven't. They've been a good a pretty good group of five team. Anyone that watched that game thinks that's the that was Notre Dame played worth a darn that day. Just hasn't ever watched Notre Dame before. So, a twelve and one Cincinnati with a loss to either SMU, East Carolina, or Houston has a chance of being leaped by Notre Dame. Should Notre Dame win out and win out impressively. I think we could debate the merits of it, but it's the reality. I'm, I'm not giving you my opinion too, yeah. based on what I think should happen. I'm giving you my opinion based on what I think the committee is showing us. The this committee year. is looking for any possible way to not have Cincinnati in the final four. And if they're talking about Notre Dame versus Cincinnati uh, and they put the resumes next to each other and do all the things that they're mm-hmm. going to do, they're going to take Notre Dame. 
They're yes. going to take Notre Dame. Unless Cincinnati just goes out there and steamrolls their next few opponents, which they right. have an opportunity to do. They play. They could. They play. Because here's the thing. This is the best part of their schedule coming up, like the best stretch of games. Obviously, the, none of these teams are as good as Notre Dame, but they play 8-2 and two SMU, 6-4 and four ECU, and 9-1 and one Houston, which would be in the AAC championship game. Right. If they convincingly beat those teams, then I think the the, the resume changes and they would – they would, you know, they they're clearly in if they win those games. If they win out even ugly, they're going to be in. But I'm saying, like, let's say they get upset by by you know SMU by, or I mean by ECU by a field goal, and they pound SMU and pound Houston. Maybe then, maybe then you could say they have a case. If they pound those teams and they went out, they're in. They deserve to be in over everybody not named Georgia. Right. At this point in time. I agree. Right? And and the committee. We'll hate it. They got to play better. But, but they, yeah, exactly. They got to play better. So, so that's, but in the way that they're playing with, with SMU, ECU and Houston coming up, it's not given that they're going to, they're going to win out. So I think that, that them losing to one of those three teams would look a whole lot worse than Notre Dame losing to Cincinnati. And as I said, the committee's going to look at your entire resume. Fans obsess too much on what happened that one weekend. The reason that I thought that the Michigan, Michigan state thing was stupid is because Michigan and Michigan State have almost identical resumes other than the fact that Michigan State beat Michigan. Exactly. Cincinnati and Notre Dame would not have similar resumes if they lose to one of the three teams off left on their schedule. Cincinnati would have a worse loss, and their their one big win would be negated by the fact that Notre Dame has like four or five better wins than they do, especially with Wisconsin continuing to win. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So that's one. Number two is, and I'm not even going to talk about chaos in the Big Ten. Number two is Oregon has to lose. And if you look at Oregon's schedule coming up, Vince, that's doable. <laughs> they got to play – they're most likely going to have to play Utah twice. The only way that that doesn't happen – so Oregon plays Utah this weekend, mm-hmm. and it's at Utah. Utah is playing 
was playing pretty good football until they kind of sputtered their way through a 39 to 38-29 win over Arizona. That struck me as a we're looking ahead to next week kind of game. Right. Because right. they were game. coming off of a 52 to 7 win over Stanford and a 44-24 win over UCLA. Utah is playing good football right now. I think they're capable of beating Oregon and they get them at home. And then they play Colorado at home. If they get upset by Colorado, then they're not going to go, assuming Arizona State wins out. But right now, uh, U, uh, Arizona, Utah has a one-game advantage over Arizona State in the South. If, if Oregon beats Utah, then they would have the same record. But the problem for them is Utah has the head-to-head for Arizona State. Utah has the head-to-head. So that's what makes that one a little bit a little bit trickier. So Utah right now is six and one in the conference because two of Utah's losses were to BYU and San Diego State. They only have one conference loss, even though they're seven and three. Arizona State has two conference losses. So Utah have to lose twice for Arizona State to get in, and Arizona State has to win out. So most likely Oregon's gonna have to play Utah twice. You and I both know it is hard to beat a good team twice. Absolutely. And and then and then also Oregon has to play Oregon State at home. Now again, that's a game they should win. But this Correct. is a good Oregon State team. They're not great, but they're good. They're six and four. Jonathan Smith is a name that Notre Dame fans that are older than twenty five should remember. Sadly, he was the quarterback for Oregon State when they beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl back with Ken Simonton and T.J. Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson. He's done a really good job. He was the OC at Washington when they went to the playoff. I believe he was their OC that year. But he's been now, I think, second or third year at Oregon State. He's doing a really nice job. They're six and four. They just came off of a beat down of Stanford. And, uh, you know, they've had a couple bad losses, but they also beat Utah. They beat Washington. They spanked USC at USC. So that there's a, it's doable that Oregon could lose. Now, Oregon can't, if Oregon wins ugly, they still belong in over Notre Dame. I, I don't agree. care what Notre Dame does because there is nothing on Notre Dame's resume that comes close to competing with a the road win over Ohio State. State. Absolutely agree. And and they would be a conference champ. So they need Oregon to lose. And then the other one is they need Bama to lose. And Bama's got two games they might lose coming up, and that is Auburn, which I don't know how Auburn's going to handle what happened to them on Saturday. Did you see that, Vince? I did not. They were beating Mississippi State 28 to 3 and lost. Mississippi State familiar. Mississippi State at one point in time scored 33 straight points. Wow. Auburn ended up losing 43 to 34. So they got outscored 40 to 6 in this in the two and a, last two and a half quarters. So Auburn has now dropped two games. That's a little you know, little, but it That's is troubling. It is troubling. at Auburn, right? Alabama plays Arkansas this weekend. I don't think Arkansas has the firepower to hang with them. Right. And then they play at Auburn, and then they play George in the SEC title game. So you need you need Alabama to lose somewhere because I do need, think yeah. an eleven and one Notre Dame team gets in over an eleven and two Alabama team because everybody say, well, you know, they got the extra data point. I'm sorry, Mercer does not count as a data point. Exactly. Absolutely correct. Doesn't and and I'm. It, I realize that the committee is setting Alabama up to potentially be the first two loss team to get into the playoff. I get it, but I just it, I don't see that occurring. I just not I over know. a one loss Notre Dame team. Yeah, right. N- right. It just I don't because 
you 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 say, well, you know, they they played in the SEC title game. I get that. <clears throat> First of all, a two loss Auburn team with their losses to Auburn, I don't care how they beat Georgia, they're not getting in. Right. Not with a, a loss to to multiple three loss teams. You you yeah. can't lose two games to three loss teams. The only thing is if they lose to Georgia in a competitive game. But even then, I I because I think that would be like I do think the committee cares about perception and money and big names. That's why I think they would much rather have Notre Dame in than Cincinnati because it is still this to the committee and the NCAA. Yeah, for sure. for Although sure. the NCAA doesn't have anything to do with the college right. playoff, but to the committee and ESPN, it's still this. But when I when I look at it, I say I think I, I think that they would they would understand that the backlash for putting Notre Dame in would be far less than the backlash for putting a two-loss Alabama team that doesn't even win their conference. Right. Or beats Georgia with one loss. You know, or I mean with you know with with two losses. I just I I don't see that. I don't see them doing that over a one-loss Notre Dame team. The only way Bama gets in to me is if Bama's behind Notre Dame. Now Bama could still get in, but they're not going to be over Notre Dame. Does that make sense? Like Bama could be sure. the four seed and Notre Dame could be the three, but they're not getting in it like if if Cincinnati loses twice, hypothetically, and it's Oregon Georgia, lose. you know, Georgia beats Auburn by a, a point, right? Ohio State wins out. If Cincinnati and Oregon lose, it's Notre Dame and Bama. But if Oregon wins out and Ohio State wins out and Cincinnati loses and, and, all, and Alabama loses the game, I could see a scenario in which Notre Dame is at four and Bama's out. Could don't lose yeah. that because the one loss they have looks worse now because AM just lost their third game. That's what the committee was trying to do to Alabama. They were trying to pump AM up, put them all sure. up to number 11 to try to make that loss look better. Right. And then AM went and got smacked this weekend by Ole Miss. So now they have three losses now. And so I think it's going to be a lot harder now for Bama to get in with two losses. And Auburn losing to Mississippi State hurt them too because now Auburn won't be ranked as high as they were last week. So the cards, like everything's kind of aligning a little bit for Notre Dame right now. But again, they're not in complete control of their no, own destiny. Not at things all. Have to happen around. Not them. at all. But but the, the odds, odds of, are much greater. Now. The odds of things happening are better than they were this time last week, mm-hmm. right? I mean that that's mm-hmm. I think that's the point that you're trying to make. Like there is a path, and it's a it's a clear path if certain things happen. I mm-hmm. mean, again, the Big Ten's going to eat itself up. Uh, potentially, all three of those teams could eat each other up, and they mm-hmm. all drop behind Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, two will. Right? right. And so that puts you at six. And when you're at six, you have a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, plain and simple. And you, like you said, with the way Cincinnati is Even if the they're not weeks, six this weekend, to your point, yes. they don't have to be six on Tuesday. They don't have to be. They don't have to be. Right. They don't have to be. They have That's to be. why the Oklahoma loss was because if you'd added Oklahoma needs to lose into that data point, it's like, okay, now you need three out of four. And just do the math 75% right. compared to 67%. You know what I right. mean? Like the Absolutely. odds just keep getting better. And then you look at the way certain teams are playing. It's they just need two out of three things to happen. And I think I think those things are doable. It it, it just but Notre Dame's got to handle their business first, obviously. Yeah. But it, it, it as I sat and looked at everything last night, and it was like five o'clock in the morning, because like when I finally finished all my work, I'm like, <laughs> I wrote a note like playoff pathway, because I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, that, this is actually something that could happen. But you want to sleep on it and make sure that you're not like, you know, yeah. seeing things at like, five o'clock in the morning. Correct. Because yeah. like when the sun starts coming up, you're like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's time to go to bed. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting thing. And I see people saying, well, you know, they're not they're not ready to be. Look, I don't know how much college football you've watched this year, but there, there's nobody that scares me like Bama last year or Clemson 2018 or LSU, or LSU 2019. There's no team yeah. like that this year. Right. Ohio State maybe could get there, but again, their again, defense they, still sucks. Their defense is not good. It's not good. Yeah, but their offense is playing pretty good football right now. And look, I, if you, you know, look, okay, people might take this the wrong way, but Georgia, their defense is unbelievable. Their it's defense really good. is really, yeah. really good. But their offense, the way that Notre Dame's defense has played the last two weeks, they hey, man, roll the, as, as long as Kyle Hamilton out. plays, yeah, oh yes, I'll take my chances against them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but roll you the ball need out, Kyle man. Hamilton in the playoff to have yes. a chance to play with those teams. No question about it. Yeah. You need to be at full strength. I mean, and he'll or, be fresh. Full. <laughs> <see>. <laughs> it's true. He'll be fresh. This is, this is very true. You um, need to be full strength of the guys who have a chance to be full strength. Yeah. Not like you know, you don't need Maris Lufau. Maris hasn't played all year, right? Right, right. and I mean, Avery Davis isn't walking through that door, you know, right. like all of those different things that are not happening. I'm talking about the people that are available, they need to be mm-hmm. at full strength, yes, no yeah. question. Yep, so so that's kind of my thing, Vince. What so I mean, we did have a super chat here, we had a, a big had super a chat big I wanted one. to get yes. to, yeah, yep, so no question from, from Dale Hatem. Thank you, Dale. That's yeah. awesome, man. Really appreciate it. He says, uh, I've been listening to you since last year's playoff game. Love your professionalism, effort, and dependability. You lift me up every day and are quality human beings. That last part is the most important to me yeah. personally. And I know Brian thank probably you. feels the same way, but thank, thank you, you, Dale. I don't get called so a quality human being very often. <laughs> so it's nice when it happens. I appreciate that very much, Dale. No doubt about it, man. Sorry, I had to make a joke because, you know, it's a little too emotional sometimes uh, in here. And, yeah. But I appreciate that very much, Dale. I yeah. do. I do. Yeah, I, awesome. I appreciate that you see that we attempt to be professional. Uh, it's something we take pride in, the effort, Absolutely. you know, and um, we try our best to show up every day, right? And we, we can't always do it, right? Because yeah. Sometimes we can't answer out, the bell, as Brian Kelly would we, say. We try to do it as much as possible, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we've raised everybody else's game up. You know, and everybody else which is trying I to love. do daily shows and stuff love like that, that, you know, which is great. Because I think that's I think that's better for everybody, right? It just yeah, means man. more content for the Notre Dame community. When you can raise mm-hmm. the bar for everybody else, that's yeah. awesome. You know, yeah. I, I love it. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, just a couple things I want to respond to, Vince. If we can go through and find some of the some of these questions, I don't want to get. We can't get to all of them. We don't have the time. But here's one: Cincinnati has been mediocre since beating Notre Dame. I would contend that Cincinnati's been pretty mediocre all season. It's just Notre Dame played bad that day, really bad. I don't even think Cincinnati played great that day. Cincinnati played emotional that day. They were right. very well coached that day. Mm-hmm. They're not a great team, and. Notre Dame made them look better. I didn't think they played that well against Indiana. They were tied 7-7 at halftime against Murray flipping State. Okay? I don't think Cincinnati's been that good all year. That's why after losing that game, I was so disgusted by it because I'm like, I've watched this team on film, and I've watched them every weekend since then, and they're not a playoff team. This Cincinnati team is not a playoff team. I think last year's Cincinnati team was better than this year's Cincinnati team, in my opinion. Yeah. And and well, know, I mean, look, everybody's making fun of me because of my look on my face after the Cincinnati game. But there was a reason for that, right? It yeah. wasn't just because Notre Dame lost; it's because the manner in which it happened, yeah, should it, not have happened. They just were not a good team. Yeah, they were opinion. not. They, just, they were. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, Cincinnati last year was steamrolling people, and then they had to beat some good teams. You had to beat Tulsa, who was a good team last year. I mean, Tulsa right. had a first round draft pick at, at linebacker. Their two starting corners are now starting in the SEC at, at corner. They had to beat UCF on the road. You know, UCF was 
better team last year than they are this year. Oh, yeah. And and then, you know, they battled Georgia. But, I mean, they blew – They I mean, I think their closest game, they, the UCF game, was their only regular season game that was less than 14 points. Right. Difference, you know. And this year it's like, you know, they're still having 10 to 14 to 17 wins, but they're just against really bad teams. Right. Yep. And Absolutely. to me that's – that's the difference. Caleb is making a prediction here. Okay. Uh, got a, gave us a super chat to do it. Uh, thanks, Caleb. Appreciate that. He goes, okay. uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State, my projection. Now, that's one of the things I talked about in that article that we did not talk about during the show, Aiden, is that is the part of the reason that I look at last night's game and say they needed to put more on the board and why they have to blow out their next two teams. They can't just win uglies because of the team behind them. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State whooped. I mean, again, Oklahoma State's one spot behind Notre Dame. That's it. The committee has shown they got no have no problem flipping teams that both win. Sure. No yeah. problem with that. And so if they're out there beating Baylor, ranked top 15 Baylor one week, go out and beat ranked Oklahoma the next week, and then get a rematch with potentially Oklahoma or Baylor the next week, while Notre Dame's beating a bunch of three and seven teams by 14 to 20, Guess what? Oklahoma State will and should jump Notre Dame because right. they're going to have a better overall resume and they're going to be pounding teams down the stretch. And so, yes, Notre Dame has to come out and they have to convincingly be people because, look, here's what here's what Oklahoma State has done the last three weeks. They beat a bad Kansas team by 52. They beat a TCU team that has a losing record, Right. But it's also a TCU team that beat Baylor. They beat them by 46. You. And then they beat West Virginia, who's four and six, and but an okay team, beat Iowa State, beat TCU. They went on the road and beat them by 21. So their worst game is a 21-point road win over a decent team. Notre Dame has had, you know, 10-point win over a five and five North Carolina team, a 15-point win over a four and five USC team, right? That's why last night was an opportunity to really put some distance between yourself and Oklahoma State, and and they missed out on that opportunity. Now Oklahoma State is going on the road to play Texas Tech this weekend. Well, because Texas Tech beat Iowa State this past weekend, they're six and four. And then you play Oklahoma on the road in that last game. And then actually, I'm sorry. Uh, let me see here. No, that's I'm reading the wrong team. Yeah, that's Texas Tech. So yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State plays, I believe it's at Oklahoma. No, it's home against Oklahoma. They're at Texas Tech and home against Oklahoma. So they're going to have a win over a top 15 team if they beat Oklahoma. And then I think at that point in time, they'd get a rematch with Baylor, assuming Baylor wins out. Because Baylor and Oklahoma would have the same number of conference losses, but Baylor would have the head-to-head. So, yeah, it's going to get real interesting. So you got to watch behind. You can't just focus so much on what's in front of you that you you miss out on what the team behind you is doing. And that's where Notre Dame has to be really careful. And same with Wake Forest. I mean, it's a to me, it's an outside shot that Wake Forest can do it. But look, like let's say Wake Forest goes out there this weekend and just pounds Clemson, just pounds Clemson. Is it a you know? And then and then they go out and and uh, let me pull up Wake's schedule. So they just beat an NC State team that the committee likes. NC State was ranked what seventeenth this past week. Wake Forest just beat them. They play at Clemson. And then they're going to play at Boston College. Well, Boston College is six and four now and plays at home against Florida State this weekend. They haven't lost a game yet that Phil Dracovic started this year. All four of their losses came when Phil Dracovic was hurt. 
you know, they won 51 to nothing, 45, 28, 17 to three, and then 41 to 30 at Georgia tech with Phil Jacobic in the quarterback. They beat Florida state at home this weekend. Boston college is seven and four. And then they would have a shot against Pitt. I think Pitt has got the inside track now in the ACC coastal, I believe. Uh, but if Virginia upsets them, then that would hurt. But if Pitt beats Virginia or Virginia loses to one of Pitt or Virginia Tech, then Pitt, I believe, would clinch the Coastal. Pitt's going to be top 25 if that happens. Yeah. So you're going to have a win over a ranked NC State team, a win over Clemson, and a win over a 7-4 a, a and four BC team, and then a win over a ranked Pitt team. It's not a given that they might leap Notre Dame if Notre Dame sputters their way through a game against – Georgia Tech and Stanford who stink. And so that's where I say Notre Dame has to handle their business. Have to, have to, have to, have to handle their business the next two weekends. That's ultimately priority numero uno. But Rob, yeah, Oklahoma State's an interesting one, Caleb. Very interesting. Rob has an interesting question here. He said, would Blake Fisher play guard if he comes back for the playoffs? I don't think they ever benched Kane Madden. That's never going to happen. If it hasn't happened up to this point, it's never going to happen. Yeah, I um, and I don't think they bench Andrew Kostovic. I think he's played pretty darn well from what he's been asked. Well, to you'd do. have to say, who do you bench? Do you bench Josh Lug? Not going to bench Josh Lug. Not going to. Do happen. you bench Joe Walt? I wouldn't bench Joe Walt. I, I mean, I think it's a fair question. I think, I mean, would Blake Fisher play guard? If you're asking from the standpoint of would Blake say no, I would hope not. Right. I really, really hope not. That would be a, a very immature decision, in my opinion. And I don't think that that would be the case. Because I think the, the the pitch that Notre Dame could give him is, hey, do you know who the highest paid offensive lineman? Or, you know, well, actually, it'd be Zach Martin. Well, yeah, it's actually <laughs> that point still matters. Too, so. You know who the two best offensive linemen we've produced the last two years? They were drafted high. They're making a ton of money. It's Quentin Nelson, who played guard, and Zach Martin, who played tackle, but moved to guard in the NFL. Right. Guards make a lot more money in the NFL now than they used to. Yep. Quentin Nelson's going to have a set a huge he's going to crush the record whenever oh, it is because he's still on his rookie record yes right? I mean his rookie contract oh they're getting great value for Quentin Nelson <laughs> right now <laughs> great value but I believe he's in year four so the wow, odds are because the 18 19 20 21 right so he's wow. in year four Crazy. that means this offseason he's getting paid yeah don't think that Notre Dame's not going to be like um Hey, Blake, come here real quick. <laughs> That's how much Zach Quentin Nelson just got paid. He played right. guard. Right. Right? His whole career you know? at Notre Dame. Yeah. Guard. You, you stack that up to the big salary that Ronnie Stanley got, and you're like, hey, guess who's making more money? It's the guard. Matter right. of fact, both guards, because Zach Martin broke the, the guard record a couple years ago. Yeah. It's since been passed, but he set the standard. And then another no names guy gonna, is going to beat it. What play guard? So I, I would hope that they'd be willing to have that conversation. Yeah, they need to have that conversation because I still believe there's a chance that to get the five best guys on the field next year, he has to move. Now, if they don't, if they're gonna, if they're ready to give up on Tosh Baker, then we don't have to have this conversation. You can just move Blake to right tackle, or you can have or Joe can have move Joe Walt to right tackle. play right tackle. Right? Yeah, right. And then Blake stays at left, and then you've got Christophic and Rocco Spindler, and you've got. Zeke Carell and you well actually Zeke would be competing at center, but you'd right. have you'd have those guys. You you'd have Caleb Johnson. You have Michael Carmody potentially battling at guard. Uh, you're you're bringing in Joey Tanona. I mean you're bringing in some 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 players that they yeah. say okay well this is this is the they've way they've got to go. options. They've got options yeah. on the O line. Got to coach them up. Yeah, got to coach them up. That's the yeah, big thing. So 
so specifically to this question, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it would be interesting to see what they would do. Um, mm-hmm. It would really be interesting if he's mm-hmm. a- available, which is not a guarantee, obviously. Right. And, and honestly, if he was cleared, I don't know if I would bring him back. Because he's a 330-pound kid, and it was a knee injury. And and if your line's playing well going into the playoff, I don't. I think I would want to get him some practice just to have him in case of an emergency. But I don't know if I would just insert him into the lineup. Kids played a half a game. Yeah, exactly. Of college football. Now there's a bunch and, of practices, obviously, and I believe. But he missed a ton. I mean, he missed right. I mean, he's, he's only practiced for five weeks. Yeah, he's missed the whole season. Right, and so to me, I don't know if I would just automatic. I would get him practice. I would he'd be my number two tackle. Like my my on my depth my third tackle I guess, and if somebody gets hurt or isn't playing well, I would con- strongly consider going to him, but I I'm just not sure if I would start him if the line's playing well. Now if one of the tackles is playing poorly and you still make the playoff, I'd maybe consider it. But it's not like Blake has a year under his belt where you know what he can do and he's healthy. And the other thing too is the the bigger issue for me though is I don't know if I want to expose him to potential for being injured again. If your line's playing well, I just, I don't know if, I don't, I, I, who, how do I say this? A second knee injury as a freshman for a 330 pound kid could be really bad. And so it's a little different than the Kyle Hamilton situation because it was a more, it was a more, far more severe injury. And Blake is in the trash of knees getting hit all the time. Sure, and he's played a half of a half of a half of co- of a college football game. I I I would err on the side of caution, even oh, if he yeah. was if he was cleared with Blake, because Blake, whether it's right tackle, left tackle, left guard, right guard, center, don't care. Wherever you're going to play him, he has a chance to be special. And you don't want to sabotage the not sabotage. That's the wrong word because that makes intentional. You don't want to burden that kid with two major lower body in- leg injuries before sure. he's done with his first year. <clears throat> yeah. Agreed. If you can avoid it. And so I would be, I would, um, I'd be very cautious. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Nolan uh, Sanchez has a comment. He made this comment much, much earlier in the chat, but he's he's asked it again. So I'm going to put it up uh, because I think it's an interesting take. Uh, Nolan says, it hurts to watch Cone in the game on third downs and fourth downs. Buckner should be always on in those downs, in my opinion. There's no chance, if I'm the offensive coordinator, that I'm bringing in a different quarterback every time there's a third down. No, that, you that's, can't. Plus, that's Jack Cone's been pretty freaking good Sorry. on third down. Last yes. I think he was like seven of eight last week on third down. 
He was, I think, four of four, four of five this week. Right. So I, don't, I really don't understand the, yeah. the, this comment. And three of the four were completed. I think, I think where I would say is there are certain circumstances where I would bring Tyler in in a third or a fourth down in a third and short, fourth and short. Like for me, fourth and I did one, not like the quarterback sneak. I, I didn't. There's no, no, I, I'll no, give you that. There's no reason for him to be sneaking from a yard and a half away. Right. And, and he does, he's not a, you know, he's not that, that kind of player. I would either run your offense or I would have exactly. him, I would have, have a much Tyler better come in. That if you run your offense, let him throw right. the ball, hand it off, you know, a million different things right. you could do as opposed right. to a yard and a half quarterback sneak. Right. Because that's a long way to go for a, for a line sneak. that gets no movement. Exactly. And Jack's exactly. not a real big guy. He's like 215 pounds. He's not like he's not like Phil Dracovic or you know some of these bigger quarterbacks that are really good sneaking it. You know, and it's like, and you're again, you don't have a line that gets a ton of movement. It just it made no sense to me. And you have arguably the best running back. Look, I would not trade Kyron Williams for anybody. Agreed. With all due respect to Kenneth Walker, you put Kyron Williams behind the Michigan State offensive line, and Kyron's numbers are stupid. Yes, agreed. I mean, just stupid. You you know, I mean, you put him in the Big 12, playing against Big 12 teams every week like Brees Hall, and his numbers are stupid. So, you know, yeah, he doesn't have the sexiest numbers, but I'm not trading Ky- – w- I'm not trading Kyron Williams for anybody. Yeah. And, and I don't understand why in that kind of a money situation you don't want to give the ball to your best football player when you have a quarterback that's just not that big mover and you don't have a line. Because, like, Kyron has shown, like, the line could get their butts whooped. And he can still move the chains. <laughs> He's been doing it all year. He did it multiple times on third down on Saturday. So yeah, I I it just I didn't I didn't like that. And and I didn't like the fact they tried to go fast either. Yeah. That's the other thing I didn't like because again, get lined up, make sure everybody knows who they're blocking, let them get low. Cause the whole line came off high. They were trying to speed up and 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 Jack rushed it and he kind of falls down. And, you know, you move it a half, you know, a half yard up, maybe it's a different story, but. I think he got a bad spot, like but it still, I still thought it was short. It still, it still yeah. wouldn't have been a, yeah, no, it would he not have been short. a first down, yeah. but I still think it was a bad spot. I think they, right. they, right. But anyway, so yeah. it just goes down to what you're trying to do. And then Nolan followed up where at least in the red zone, I want Buckner and I believe Buckner can make the same throws as Cone, but also provides the option. If the play fails, I don't think he can make the same throws right now. Because it's not just about the same. It's not just about the throws. It's about the read. If if you don't like the take the first touchdown for example, if you don't read that that pre snap read of I'm going to that matchup, and if you don't get that ball out as soon as Mayer makes his break, and you throw it perfectly on the outside, it it's it's not a touchdown. Well, Tyler's had a couple chances in plays like that, and he's always throwing the ball behind. You do that in that situation, it's 100 yards the other way. Right. Right? Your margin for error is really thin down there. What we have said is, I have no problem putting Tyler Buckner in the red zone. Me neither. But the problem is, right now, they don't have faith in their offensive line to let you run it in. What I would say is, if you're going to go 12 or 13 personnel in the red zone, then you put Tyler Buckner in. If you're going to go 21 personnel or 11 personnel, like they did on Saturday, they went 21 personnel with Chris Tyree in the backfield and Karen Williams out wide, then you need to have Jack Cohn in the game. What we had a problem with was when they went red zone, 13 personnel, and left Jack Cohn in the game. Right. That was silly. So there's certainly a role for Tyler Buckner. I just don't think it's you automatically have to take Jack Cohn out. There's a lot of circumstances that say, well, it depends on what the context is. What are you trying to run? Right? What works against that team? 
you know, and, and he read out both of his touchdowns. One was a pre-snap read. One was a post-snap read in the red zone. And, and those are the things you like to see. Right. And, you know, I, I think what they're doing now works. I think you could probably play Tyler a little bit more. I, I, I think there would have been some times for that, but I, I look, Tyler Buckner's the future. Yeah, no question. And you will never hear Brian right. and I not say that, right? But Notre Dame, we just got Notre Dame still playing for the playoffs, and which yeah. means a championship. You be, yeah, you don't need to which be making means major changes. You win now. Does that mean you don't play Tyler Buckner? Of course not. We've been advocating for playing Tyler Buckner all year. You just it's it's not he's not ready yet to take over full time. He will be soon. And so we have to we have to understand that and appreciate that that it, his time is going to come, but this is still Jack Cohn's team, and I realize that with some people, it doesn't matter what Jack Cohn does; it's just never going to be good enough. The same people that always talk about Ian Book's winning percentage—I'm just saying Jack Cohn's got a better winning percentage as a Notre Dame starting quarterback than Ian Book does. Boom! Dropping I wouldn't do all that. that. I mean, they're dropping the mic. Boom! <laughs> no. But you know, because the, the, they could flip that back on me. Well, yeah, Ian Book had a thing, but you never appreciated Ian Book. Very true. If Phil Dracovic or if Tyler Buckner was in his second year at Notre Dame, like Ian Book, like Phil Dracovic was in 2019, we might be having a different conversation. Right. But he's not. He's not ready yet. But he's getting valuable, valuable right. experience as a true freshman that's right. only it's, going to benefit gonna, him in the future. Because what you don't want to do is expose him to situations where he's not ready for and then he loses his confidence. Exactly. Could that's not agree problem. more with that. Yes. Uh, so anyway. Something along these lines. Uh, I'm going to throw it out here. Uh, DeBeezy. Says, will Notre Dame go to the transfer portal for a quarterback next season? I say negatory. Well, there was another question that about that case. just above that was along those same lines of incident. Oh, I'll was there? Pull up. Yeah. Yeah, please do. Uh, it was, let me find it here. Here we go. From 20, it looks like LJP. Are you guys confident with Buckner for next year or should they consider the portal? Here's the thing. If it was only Buckner that I had confidence in, I'd say you look at the portal. Because, again, he's got the knee injury and all that. But sure. it's the confidence in him and Drew Pine. Absolutely. That makes me say the only way you look at the portal is if you're going to find a kid from a school that's like, hey, I want my master's degree. If I'm not starting, that's fine. I'm okay being number two or number three. I just want to get my master's. from. And that, there are kids like that, right? You go get some Ivy sure. League kid. Yeah. That you know just wants to come and he's okay being a backup. He's just there to give you depth, right? Hey, look, we just we need somebody to be there in case we get there and all. Maybe it's a quarterback that wants to get into coaching. He's not going to be an NFL player. He's your emergency guy because you'll have Steve Angeli as well, which you don't want to turn to Steve Angeli next year. But to turn Steve Angeli, you'd have to have a lot of stuff go wrong, you know. And but but we saw that this year. Buckner was hurt. Cohen was struggling. They had to go to number three. Right. Well, so so there's value to looking at the portal if it's that kind of kid. What I'm not doing. Is bringing for, in yeah. Jack Spencer uh, Rattler or, you know, yes. it, the only way I would look in the portal is if you think you found your next Joe Burrow. Right. But Joe Burrow wasn't Joe Burrow when he, you know what I mean, when he left he Ohio played State. His, he played his first year at LSU. Right. And he was, but he never started okay. the game at Ohio State. Right. It was a different, yeah. you know what I mean? And and he was just okay as a senior, and then he blew up. And if, But, like, if, if Russell Wilson situation came along, Russell was a really good quarterback. It's just they were ready to move on to Mike Glennon, and they didn't like the fact that Russell was playing minor league baseball. Okay, if some coach wants to be as dumb as Tom O'Brien was and how he handled the Russell Wilson situation, hey, sorry, Tyler, but this kid's, you know, it's Russell Wilson. Right. 
but I don't know who that 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 guy's not out there. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? And and I really like what Tyler Buckner could potentially be, but I also think that Drew Pine is not going to go down without a fight. He's not. And Drew Pine's going to get, you know, he's going to continue to get better too. So, and then Paul Keane says, how do you think Buckner will go from not being ready to play against the teams on the Dame schedule to being ready to play at Ohio state? Because he's going to have nine months, 11, 10 months to continue developing as a player. And he's going to he have this year of playing right. football. Right. He didn't play football the last right. two years. Because people- I think this yeah. is a very fair question, Paul. Yeah. And, and I want to explain why uh, I'm confident in it. Because, number one, he's still a freshman. This is his first semester of going through a season and going through class and being in practice every day. And his first time he's had to play in front of, in front of like, against this type of competition. He has not played football since the 2019 season. He's getting his feet wet, so to speak. So then you've got the next two weeks of practice still to go where he's going to continue learning and developing the next two games of still getting experience. And I loved what they did. Like part of my take the foot off the gas was not how they used Tyler Buckner in the second half because they put him in with the starting offense. Totally fine with that. Right. He's got to make sure that they execute that handoff and they don't fumble the ball there. Right. Absolutely. But that's experience. That failure is going to be a positive because now Absolutely. he has something to learn. It wasn't from a, his... it was him and Diggs too, right? It was yes. two freshmen. Right. Yeah. So he's going to learn from that. Then he's going to have 15 practices to get ready for a bowl game. Hopefully he'll then have another week of practice to get ready for the next bowl game. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you all go where I'm going there. And then you've got January workouts, February workouts, March workouts, then spring ball starts. Then you have 15 practices of spring ball where he's going to get even more reps. Absolutely. But now in spring, he's not where he was last year where he was still Correct. running the playbook. I mean, he was swimming oh. as every freshman is during early enrollee at quarterback. Yeah. He's going to have a full, he's already going to have a full spring under his belt. He's going to have two now two winters under his belt, a full fall under his belt go through spring ball, he's going to have a second full summer under his belt. So when he steps on the field against Ohio State, assuming he's able to beat out Drew Pine, he's going to have gotten way more snaps because he was not getting starter snaps in fall camp. Drew, Tyler Buckner was not in the competition to start a quarterback in fall camp. Right. And it was always about getting him ready for his niche role. Correct. Which is what we wanted. So that's, that's... one of the things I've liked about what the staff has done. Yes, no question. And, and so now – and that's the case in the spring. He was not getting starter snaps in the spring. He was getting, you're a first semester freshman who hasn't played football in two years snaps. So when you look at the totality of where he will be from a development standpoint by that first Saturday in September, compared to where he is right now, it's light years. Yes. Light years. So I I just, you know, I, I like where he's at. And I, I I understand why people want to use him. But as I've always said, just because you're in a situation now where I'm just curious which one of your kids is pulling on your your uh, headphones to make it go She's that listening. way. She's listening. Um, just because he's not ready now, it's based on his experience level now. His experience level by the first week of August is going to be completely different. And he's going to be getting starter yeah, snaps. No and question. that's the difference. So yep. very good question, Paul. It's an excellent very question. Very good question. It's an excellent question. And I'm question. glad you asked it because I yeah. think you're not the only one with that question. Yeah. And and that's all part of the development that, that guys go through. No question. So, yep. Uh, yes, I'm pretty confident that Drew Pine will be on the team in 2021. Yep. Me too. Uh, definite no on JT Daniels. Definite no on that. 
Uh, here's a couple more we'll just get through. Chris Mason Crouch, let's say hypothetically that Notre Dame does not does make the playoffs. Do you think they even have a shot at winning a natty, especially if you are a four seed having to play Georgia? Yes, I think they have. Look, there's what I bet on Notre Dame. No. Would I predict them to get blown out like that in the past? No. Would I, it, you know, depend on what the draw is, but do I think this Notre Dame team, if they play to their potential, can play and on any given Saturday beat some of the other teams? Yes. Yeah. No matter no matter what Notre Dame did in 2019, the only way they had any chance at LSU in 2019 was to play the perfect game and LSU has to turn it over a bunch. That was a special team. There is no LSU this year. Last year's Notre Dame team had to play the perfect game and force turnovers to be able to beat Bama. There is no Bama of 2020 in this year. This year, there just isn't. And so, yes, can Notre Dame beat anyone that's in the that would else be in the college football playoff? Yes. Could Notre Dame lose to all those teams? Yes. That's sure. what I'm. That's why I say this is the year. Just give your give yourself a chance, man. Give yourself a chance because I would love to see this team with the offense continue to hit stride, the defense finally getting healthy. Yeah. And then you've got a month to prepare. And, you know, yes, because Marcus Freeman's not going to do what some pass coordinators did going into the postseason, which is just, hey, this is what, what we, we do, do, you know? <laughs> um, and I also don't think Tommy Reese is going to be that way either. Oh, yes, exactly. I, I, I really do feel he will use the time Because he has weapons this year. Stuff. Like, I hated this game plan against Alabama last year. Hated it. It was disgusting. Yeah, me too. But there was things he could have done differently, yeah. but not – he didn't have the weapons he has this year. That's what and makes me so mad about, oh, they lost – they have way more weapons this year than they right. did last year. And and he's proven that he's willing to make changes offensively. We've seen it, and we saw it in the first half yesterday. So yeah. that makes me confident that that would be the case. So no, I last time Notre Dame did some self-scouting, they went from what we saw leading up to the bye, which was to what we've seen the last few weeks. And part yeah. of it's they're playing bad defenses, but it's also schematically I can point to things and say they are better yes. at this now. They're Absolutely. doing this better. You give them a month, and I think it's going to be a very similar story. Agreed. Hey, there's some things we gotta we gotta adjust and fix and get better at, and that's what makes me think they'd have a shot. Would I predict them to beat Georgia? No, I would not predict them to beat that's, Georgia. It's crazy. Do I think yeah. they have a chance to beat Georgia? Yes, on any given Saturday, yes, they could beat Georgia because this is not vintage Georgia, right? It, it's not. So anyway, I think that's it, Vince. I think yes. that's going to be it for tonight. I want to thank everybody for being a part of the show tonight. This is a lot of fun. We will be back tomorrow at 1230. We'll talk about Brian Kelly's press conference, and we'll talk. We'll, get, we'll further this conversation that we're having now. There's a couple games I want to talk about. I want to talk about what the heck happened to Florida this weekend. Good Lord. And a couple other games I want to discuss with you. Tuesday, we will have our intro to Notre Dame against Georgia Tech. Wednesday, we are doing our fundraiser. So make sure you're there with us at 1230 on Wednesday where all the super chats that you give and it will go to uh, we're going to help some local charities that are to put on, make sure that people can have uh, as, as great a Thanksgivings as we have because of the blessings that we've been given. So, yes, we will definitely do that. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Check out the message board. We had a great week of signups last week. I want another even better week. So we had somebody sign up for the gold for the gold booster club. They joined the gold the gold club nice. for the booster club today, which I was super pumped about. And you can join that, and I'm going to put the link in here at the bottom of the page if you want to sign up for the message board. We've got some great conversation going on, so come check that out, and I think you'll definitely enjoy it. But um, and then of course Thursday we'll get back on schedule. We'll have our our matchup of the Notre Dame 
defense against the Georgia Tech offense. Then on Friday, we will have our game predictions. Yes. So one and day so, late because yes. we're just flip-flop. Just bumping or, everything know, back a yeah, little just bit. Just moving so, things around a little bit. Going to be a lot of fun this week. Check out the <clears> message board. Check out the website. Give us a five-star review if you're listening via podcast. And uh, otherwise, we will see you tomorrow, 1230 sharp. Be there. Yeah, baby.